This year has gone by very quickly. Very quickly. We we are in the month of November. I remember last year, last year 2021, I I was in church, you know, observing this um, crossover where there would be a video. And I was looking at the projector when they displayed the number of the new year 2022 it looked so weird it looked so off to me i remember that so clearly it's it's vivid in in my memory and now it's november november the 11th month of 2022 Indeed, God is good that I am alive, that you are alive, is enough reason to be grateful to God. This year has really been something. A lot of ups and downs, a lot of things in Nigeria we we have had students stay at home for months, strikes here and there, so many turmoils and events going on. The recent is the flood taking over a lot of states within Nigeria, the crisis all over the world, the riots, the chaos, the starvation, the inflation, the economic crisis, and what a year. Really, what a year. But in all things, we know that God is good. This morning I thought to read out some lines in the song Burdens are lifted at Calvary. People are going through a lot. Even at this moment, people are going through a lot. A lot that can discourage their heart. A lot of troubles that can take the attention of people away from the goodness that God is bestowing upon each life, myself included. Please let me read some lines from the song Burdens Are Lifted at Calvary. The writer writes, These are filled with sorrows and care. Hearts are lonely and drear. Burdens are lifted at Calvary. Jesus is very near. Cast your care on Jesus today. Leave your worry and fear. Burdens are lifted at Calvary. 
Jesus is very near. Oh, troubled soul, the Savior can see every heartache and tear. Burdens are lifted at Calvary. Jesus is very near. As we go on with the troubles of life, as we go on with all our activities, as we go on bearing and enduring these trials, this pain, let us have it in mind. Let us always have it in mind that Jesus sees, that Jesus cares, and that you and I can lift up our bodies to him who can truly save. This morning in my devotional, I read that song is a powerful weapon. When we are faced with the trials, with the difficulties that life brings our way, we should lift up our voices in songs. A song is a weapon against sadness, against gloominess, and even where there is fear and lack of faith, singing a hymn. Singing hymns can elevate your spirit and bring strength to you. Lord, I pray for a day. I pray for a place where there will be no tear in our eyes. Hi. My name is Oluwafemi and you are welcome to the Gospel Space. Today we would be reviewing the book of Genesis chapter 41 to Exodus chapter 10. We would be reviewing 20 chapters so that things would, um, so that we would have a fresh eye to passages we have read before. Fortunately for us, Exodus chapter 11 is not so much. It's just, it has a few verses. So I thought to just have us study Exodus, Exodus chapter 11 immediately after the review, since it's, it's not, since it's not a bulky, um, text at all. I thought that we should just go ahead and study. So um, let us have a word of prayer and have uh, that we may dwell in the presence of God, that he may teach us himself of his words. Our dear Father in heaven, we thank you for today. We thank you for grace. We thank you for mercy. We thank you for keeping us. We thank you for life. We are not worthy, we are not better than those who have lost their friends, 
we are not in any way better than those who are sleeping in graves. This is just an opportunity for us to repent. This is an opportunity for us to realize the sinfulness of sin. Please sharpen our hearts that we may be zealous to do thy will. Please forgive our sins as we confess them. Teach us to be like you. For we know it is your desire and it is our ticket to dwelling with you. Please send us your Holy Spirit that he may teach us as we review and as we hear what you have for us in the book of Exodus chapter 11. This is our prayer, O Lord. We ask in humility, in Christ's name. Amen. Genesis chapter 41, we have the record of Pharaoh's dream. And I think the, the no, I don't think, one vital lesson that we must take from this um, record of Pharaoh's dream is Joseph said something. You had this dream two times. This same dream two times in different, um, that appeared differently but carried the same message. And Joseph, God um, inspired Joseph to tell Pharaoh that this means urgency and this means certainty. That of a truth, it will come to pass. No, nothing would hinder or stop it from coming to pass. And secondly, it is urgent for you to have it repeatedly. And, and we, we discover that this is not the first time that this is happening. This is just the first time God is telling us the meaning of having dreams repeatedly and um, uh, repeatedly and dreams that are similar in, in conclusion. That's, that's what it is. And this is very interesting. It's very, very interesting. You know, I, as I re-studied and studied, I, I discovered that there was something um, very vital. Well, I don't think I should jump into it because it's still ahead in the early chapters of Exodus. So, well, thank God for the review that uh, we have the opportunity to touch on that again again now another very important thing that i would like to say again is how the magicians the sorcerers in africa especially here in nigeria who call them the babalao unifa and whatever we saw wise men we saw how they couldn't interpret the dream and reading it, reading it, 
do you think, because I think, do you think that dream Pharaoh had was just too simple and obvious? Don't you think it's too simple and obvious? Now, I'm saying this to see this. Do you see how God has made the so-called earthly wise men foolish with simple things? It's very noteworthy of. As it is, I, I, can, I can say confidently that God is a God of simplicity. And he uses the simple thing to just shame the so-called wise earthly men. Let's go on to Exodus chapter 42, uh, Genesis chapter 42, pardon me. Joseph's brother, they go to Egypt. Finally, we touched on the fact that Joseph had a dream when he was about 17, 16, that, oh, his brothers will bow down to him and this and that. And we also realized that we, the Bible, God didn't tell us that Joseph, in his own might and his own sense, sought to bring that to pass. No. It took 15 plus years. 15 plus years for that dream that he had to come to pass. Now, don't forget he had that dream twice. Like Pharaoh, he had that dream twice. And what has God told us about having dreams multiple times? Means It means it is sure and it will come to pass. And over 15 years after the team had these dreams, it came to pass. The word of God the revelations of God, they are sure and they are certain. Now his brothers come to Egypt and they bowed. You know, unlike, unlike the record of Jacob, his father, who thought he could help God accomplish that which he has promised by telling his brother to sell his birthright. We see Joseph, on the other hand, just living as life comes. We, 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 in the life of Joseph, we dwelt very much on it. And we saw how Christian Joseph, <laughs> we saw how Joseph the Christian suffered. We saw the lot of what it means to be righteous. We saw that being like Christ, um, living that righteous life, abiding by the example which he has laid down for us, 
is not smooth. Joseph was sold by his brother, by his own brother, due to envy. They were disgusted by his righteousness. Well, that's the same thing with Jesus. They were disgusted by his righteousness. No, 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 we don't want this man to spoil our things, our business, our relationship with the Romans. No. They sought for reasons to put him to death, but they couldn't. Same thing with Joseph. Oh, what can we do to this boy? His own is too much. Any small thing is always spiritual. It's always telling the truth. Like he doesn't sin. I'm sure you must have heard that a lot. Why are you doing as if you never sinned before? Why do you act like you haven't sinned? The trials of righteousness didn't only end with his brethren. It went as far as his business relationship. The wife of Potiphar trying to <laughs> do that thing and getting him behind bars. Looking at the life of Jesus, he has said that we should be like him. In fact, he said we should be like the Father. Be perfect as your Father, as my Father, which is in heaven, is perfect. Jesus was perfect and we saw how men, how Unrighteous men treated righteous Jesus. I once heard that the reason why there is no persecution in Christ in Christendom today is because Christians have stopped being Christians. And it's interesting. Christians have turned to be as the world is. In fashion, in music, in diet, in occupation, there is now no difference between a worldly person and a follower of Christ. And it is for that reason there is no persecution. But God is calling us to set a difference as we've been studying in the book of Exodus there must be a difference a difference between the children of God and the children of the world that difference must be clear Genesis chapter 43 Joseph's brother returned with Benjamin now we studied and we were God made us understand that on seeing his brothers, he wanted to know for sure first that the wickedness that they did to him, they haven't done it to his brother Benjamin. And as he was still disguising, he was like, I want to I want to see I want to see your last one. 
I want to see the youngest of you. I want to see your father. And Benjamin came. <laughs> Benjamin came also. And he bowed. Now we have 11 stars that have bowed to Joseph. If it happens twice, it means it is sure. It means it will come to pass. Genesis chapter 44, Joseph's cup. The plot to put his cup in the bag of Benjamin. And in this passage, we were made to understand that this plot Joseph revealed to his servant who he ordered to put his cup in the bag of Benjamin. His servant knew that they were his brothers. And he did this plot. Now, we should be careful not to see that Joseph was trying to fulfill that which God has revealed to him. No, he wasn't. He was just unsure as to the character of his brothers. Well, 15 years plus ago, they sold him. 15 years plus ago, they were wicked men. Remember what his brothers Simeon and Levi did to the men of Shechem? It wouldn't just because he has seen them for two days and they have said, no, we are changed men, that he would believe. He wanted to be sure. And we, we, we used, um, we said, or we saw how Joseph followed the pattern of God. He investigated. He was investigating when he was doing all these plots. And we saw how God investigated when he went to the Garden of Eden and asked, Where are you? What have you done? We have had daily living lessons from these stories. We have had God teach us how to live. Not only by word, but by his own actions and by the actions of his son. God really wants us to be saved. Genesis chapter 45, Joseph reveals himself to his brothers. And I remember this. I said they must have been weeping and, Oh, my brother, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. You know, and the, the reunion must have been a joyful one. Most especially now that he knows that his brothers are changed people. Now, one thing to note, one thing to note is, at this point when they came to the land of Egypt to buy food, they were married men, even Benjamin. He had his wife, he had children, so they were already grown-ups. You understand what I mean? Okay, Genesis chapter 48. Genesis, sorry, Genesis chapter 46. 
Joseph, Jacob's journey to Egypt. Now, Jacob journeyed to Egypt and he, he journeyed majestically. It was a majestic journey. And it's very interesting. The, the, his journey to Egypt was majestic and even his burial ceremony was, was majestic. Oh, the joy that filled the heart of Jacob to know that his son, Joseph, is still alive. And that story, it continues to Genesis chapter 47, when Jacob arrived at the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh was shocked that, how old are you? How old? Now, what, what do you think, what do you think must have, must have been in the heart of Pharaoh when he asked Jacob that question? Because that question shows um, surprise, meaning maybe they didn't live that long or maybe they weren't as strong as Jacob was in that age. I mean the Egyptians. Maybe they, maybe their old men weren't as strong as Jacob was. And this is even despite the fact that Jacob was limping. Now, what, what's, what am I saying? What am I saying? I don't know if it was on this podcast I mentioned or while I was having a discussion with a friend. The Egyptians, when um, some scientists during our time checked their dead, their, you know, the mummified uh, dead people and they checked, okay, wh- what killed the Egyptians and this and that. And they saw that what killed them was all these lifestyle diseases, lifestyle diseases like cancer, uh, TB, diabetes, and so on and so forth. Now, these are diseases caused by what we feed on. So, looking at Jacob, looking so strong, maybe advanced in age, I don't know what surprised him exactly. God didn't tell us what exactly was surprising to him. But we know that for Jacob, who was obedient, he must have obeyed God's counsel of diet. That is, fruits, nuts, grains, vegetables, which of which the Bible calls herbs, and clean foods. This is life. Obedience is life. I will go to Genesis chapter 48. Jacob blesses Joseph's son. Now, we see how the will of God will be done. You see, man, man tries so much to interpret now I, I i don't i don't blame abraham and sarah or jacob for what they had done because they are humans as you and i are humans and i remember saying that as we read these stories as we listen to god speak to us of how he dealt with men of old how they thought to do things 
we should also search ourselves so we don't think we are better than them. Lord, help us open our eyes that we may also see where we have fallen short. You know, and here in, in Genesis chapter 40, 48, we see how the younger was blessed more than the older. We see it. And now I, I remember we said that if only Jacob, if only Jacob and his mother did not think to help God do that which he had already said we, he would do, if only they were just patient to allow God do things in his own way and at his own time, then he would have not had the troubles of running away from his brother, the trouble of fear of meeting his brother as he journeyed back to the land of Canaan. It, it would, those troubles would have been avoided. Now, here, Joseph brings his two sons and we see how Jacob crossed his hands to bless the younger above the older. And Joseph said, no, not so, father, not so. And Jacob said, I know what I am doing. The Holy Spirit was moving in his heart. The Holy Spirit was the one who blessed. There is nothing as perfect as God's time. God knows when to act. God knows when to do that which he has promised. We don't know. We don't know. And I, I always tell myself, Femi, why do you think you know anything? Isn't it better to trust the one who knows tomorrow from today? I don't know tomorrow from today. Well, the only thing I know about tomorrow from today is tomorrow is Saturday. Tomorrow is the Sabbath. Above that, I know nothing else. Everything God has promised, he has promised for today. The air that you and I breathe he has promised for today. He hasn't promised that you and I will be alive tomorrow. He hasn't promised that oh, he will provide for tomorrow. No, no, no. He has promised for today. He has made provision for today. Believe me, those who have died today, yesterday, they didn't think that, okay, I'll die tomorrow. No, they, they just died. Genesis chapter 49, Jacob's last words to his children. Here we see blessings and, well, sadly, we see curses upon the sons. And if there's anything I've learned, because it was the Holy Spirit that was speaking through Jacob at this point. It wasn't just Jacob. It was the Holy Spirit. And I, I say this because 
The blessings he blessed his twelve sons are things that came to pass. Who has such authority? Who can do such a thing? The angels don't know tomorrow. Only God knows tomorrow. Meaning that these blessings and these causes were from God. Now, the lesson to learn from these blessings is this. For every action that we take, for whatever we decide to do, there are consequences. Be it positive consequences or negative consequences, there are consequences. For that which the two sons of Israel did, Simeon and Levi, in killing the men of Shechem, there were consequences. In that which Judah did, by laying with his father's concubine, there were consequences. Now, let's leave that story and let us focus on self. For whatever we have soiled our hands in, there are consequences. Now, because there are consequences doesn't mean God wouldn't be merciful when we repent. Yes, yes, he would be merciful, but there are consequences. Let me cite an example. If one be guilty for fornication or adultery, whichever the case is, if he pleads sincerely and turns away from doing such a thing, God will, it is, it is sure, God will forgive. But if after fornication or as after doing all the rubbish and running, he gets AIDS or something, in as much as God has forgiven him of that sin which he has committed, he will still have to deal with AIDS. Now that's an example of the curses. Jacob, uh, I don't want to say what I'm at. That's the result of the curses. That's the, this, 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 that's an example of what Jacob did. Uh, the causes he put upon the sons, his twelve sons. Not all of them, you know what I mean. <laughs> I beg you, please don't, don't get me wrong. And as as I was speaking, I know I touched on something that is not so, uh, it's not so dwelt upon. Now, pleading for forgiveness of sin. It's not complete when we just say, oh, Lord, I'm sorry, please forgive me. No. The, our plea for sin is only complete when we turn away from such a sin. If I lie today, I can sincerely plead for mercy. Oh, from, from the bottom of my heart, I can plead for mercy. 
But if tomorrow I go back to lying, then I'm, I'm not forgiven. And we will see that from the Bible. We will see that from the Bible. So, yes, still in um, chapter 49, we see Joseph's, uh, Jacob's death and burial. It was magnificent. It was magnificent. The, 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 the clergymen, the high men in the land of Egypt attended Jacob's burial. The men, like the men, capital letter M-E-N, the kings, the priests, the royals, and the realities of, of Egypt, they attended Jacob's uh, burial. The Egyptians attended the burial ceremony of a Hebrew man. It was so great that when the people of Canaan saw this solemn, are you with me? Solemn ceremony that they said, Oh, the Egyptians have come to bury. Meaning the Egyptians were so much that they thought that, Ah, these are the Egyptians. They didn't look upon the appearance. Of the sons of Jacob, that ah, this is how Abraham and Isaac used to dress. These are the Hebrews. No, they didn't see them. They saw the Egyptians. Truly, it must have been a magnificent burial ceremony. And for who? For a Hebrew. Despite all the sufferings for righteousness' sake, I believe the gospel was being preached in the life of Joseph. Christianity is not rosy. It's not, it's not a broad road that is smooth. It's far from that. Instead, it is few with pain it is filled with agony and it is filled with extreme joy it's funny how extreme joy can be in the same category of agony and pain yes the righteous will feel pain because of the results of sin joseph was righteous he was a righteous man in his generation. And what? He had mental, he went through mental illness. When he was pleading with his brothers, please have mercy on me. Don't kill me. Don't sell me. His own brothers, and they sold him. When he was in prison, I'm, I'm, I'm guilty. I'm, I'm not guilty. I, I didn't commit any offense. Ask, ask around. He was in prison. But as a Christian, as a follower of Christ, that we ought to be, we saw that despite all of these life's issues, that Joseph did not murmur. 
instead wherever he found himself he stood out to be a light to the men even in prison he was still a light let your light so shine that men may see your good works and glorify your father not you but your father who is in heaven exodus chapter 1 israel's suffering in egypt now as god has said to abraham when he made that sacrifice and drew away those birds who wanted to eat the sacrifice which he had offered to God. God told Abraham, Your children will go to a land and be there in bondage for 400 years. Exodus chapter 1, this is the beginning of suffering. Now there was a new pharaoh who did not know Joseph. Don't forget, Joseph saw three generations. He saw his son's son's son. Hey. He saw the son of Manasseh and the son's son of Manasseh. That is interesting. He lived. I don't know how they did it, but he lived. He lived. And even that living, it wasn't as extensive as the antediluvian times that they left lived 500 900 and so on what he saw is to the third generation that's that's very amazing now the the pharaoh of egypt was now looking at these people are becoming mighty they're having soldiers they're having a lot of male children they're having this and they're having that and he feared that whenever they go to war that the children of israel will join forces with their enemy. Now, I believe the only person that will reason that way is one who has been treating his neighbor unjustly. Because if Pharaoh had been treating the children of Israel justly, then he would not have that fear that, ah, the Israelites will, the, the Hebrews will join our enemies when they come to war. It must be that he must have been treating them unjustly. So he was afraid. But in Exodus chapter 2, a son was born. And the name of that son is Moses. Or was Moses? That was his name. He was a beautiful son. He was a beautiful child. And we saw how the Lord impressed the heart of his mother to position Moses in such a place that the daughter of Pharaoh would see him and adopt him. Moses then became the adopted son of Pharaoh's daughter and he rose to the point of being a prince. Now, how did Joseph rise up to becoming the governor wasn't it true righteousness oh yes it was wasn't it true diligence in duty oh yes it was wasn't it because potiphar 
and even Pharaoh saw that God was with him? Oh yes, it was. Now, if that be the case for Joseph, then Moses would have done the same. Because again, a Hebrew was made prince. <laughs> oh, my dear friends, my dear friends. Inasmuch as being like Christ will be rough, inasmuch as this path is not smooth at all, I'm, I'm not here to sugarcoat anything. Because these days you hear a lot of, oh, God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. Well, you suffer in the hands of unrighteous men. If you turn out to be as perfect as God will have you and I be. Nonetheless, he rose up to that point of being a prince. And in our discussion, we realized that, oh, yes, he, he and the children of, well, maybe not the children of Israel, but a number of them must have been thinking that, oh, one day, one day, God will use Moses to deliver us from the hands of the Egyptians. They must have thought in their hearts, like Mordecai said to Esther, maybe God has put you here to deliver us. They must have thought the same thing too. Oh, Moses, maybe God has put you here. Maybe God has made you prince. Maybe God has made you commander of the armies of the Egyptians that you may deliver us. One fateful day, I'm assuming it's a hot afternoon, he saw his brothers fighting. And I was like, why, why? No, did, no, before he saw them fighting, he saw an Egyptian maybe weeping or maltreating um, his brother, that is, a Hebrew man, a Hebrew man. He then looked left, right, sharp guy. He killed the soldier. Thinking he was doing good. I believe at this point, Moses in his heart was thinking, how will I deliver my people? Not thinking and pleading with God. God, how will you deliver your people? Then he realized that his looking left and right was not wise. Message got to Pharaoh that Moses has killed one of your soldiers because of his brothers. And that fear Pharaoh once had as to the strength of Israel, as to, oh, maybe they will join our enemies to fight us, it arose in his heart. It was rekindled. And he sought to kill Moses, and Moses ran. Exodus chapter 3. Moses at the burning bush. Now, on getting to uh, this portion, that is, in the closing verses of chapter 2, we read that God told us that Moses met with a family. Moses dwelt with the man called Jethro. With the man called Jethro. Mm. Our time is far spent. Our time is far spent. He dwelt with a man called Jethro. And that was a very 
very vital lesson i am so thankful to god that he revealed to us he revealed to us that he has his followers scattered all over the earth now this is not the first time god is revealing that to us he has revealed that to us in previous chapters oh the righteous people in the land of sodom that's were crying to him oh the high priest melchizedek and all other righteous people who are scattered all over the face of the earth now moses dwelt with a priest a priest called jethro and he took a wife from them right now in exodus chapter 3 moses in the burning bush what a great wonder <clears throat> and we said this shows to us that god is in charge god is creator there are two things fire does to burn and to purify i'm sure that fire was not purifying the grass <laughs> no, no no it wasn't purifying the grass it was just god manifesting himself in the things which he has created now the sight of a of fire in a bush and not seeing the bush born was amazing in the sight of moses it is amazing in my own hearing too god spoke with moses in that bush and all through our study so far in the book of exodus down to chapter 10 i've been making so much emphasis emphasis on Gen exodus chapter 3 verse 19 pardon me i'm slowly trying to search uh scroll down rather scroll down to verse 19 of exodus chapter 3 uh, what is very peculiar there is peculiar <coughs> let me calm down what stands out so much for me here is god had told moses god had told moses he says but i am sure that the king of egypt will not let you go no not even at a mighty not even by a mighty hand now this was moses at the burning bush this was moses before he even left for the land of egypt in that conversation he told moses i am sure beyond every doubt that even with a mighty hand pharaoh will not let you go and now i'm repeating this because over and over and over and over and over we have read we have heard god tell us that he hardened the heart of pharaoh now that is not god convincing pharaoh or having any influence on his decision god knew even before moses got there he knew that pharaoh will harden his heart so the hardening of pharaoh's heart is not the doing of god it's not and god has made it clear to us in exodus chapter 3 verse 19. moses is at egypt exodus chapter 4 
Now he does the mirac miraculous signs to the elders of Israel that they may believe that God had sent him. Remember, the reason he fled was because he killed. So he was termed a murderer. And they surely would not think that, oh, the Almighty God has sent a murderer to deliver us. No, that's that's unlike our God. God doesn't do that. In fact, God despises sinners. It cannot be that God sent you. But God gave him signs to show the elders that they may believe. Is that not the same thing God did to the Egyptians and to the world as to the ten plagues? The reason we read in the Bible why God did these plagues, why God wrought these plagues in the land of Egypt is that the people of Egypt, that the people of the entire world and even the children of Israel may believe that he is God. God is good, isn't he? God is very good. We go to Exodus chapter 5, the first encounter with Pharaoh. Ah, so many back and forth, so many, many back and forth. After the first encounter, the second, the third, the fourth, the fifth, the sixth, the seventh, the eighth, and the ninth. Now, the interesting thing to note is, the first three plagues that plagued the land of Egypt actually plagued everybody. It plagued everybody. But you see, the last seven plagues, it was solely on the people of Egypt. Solely on the people of Egypt. And I'm going to rush this up because we, we have spent... A lot of time and sadly we wouldn't be able to touch on chapter 11 today because of how far time has been spent but the key thing we must um have in mind is these plagues were this the, the, these plagues wrought in the land of egypt was a sermon it was evangelism to all the world that for people to come to him and serve him as the true god and uh, we, we have been learning something we want to follow after the pattern of god we want to do as god did since we'll be or since we long and he is desirous that we dwell with him then we have to be like him we have to do the things that he did. It is very essential. It is very essential. We see Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Noah, all these people, they preached. They thought, they taught men about their God. They revealed to men what truth is. And this is what God is revealing to us. And he's given us a commission. He's given us a charge. Go and reveal to other men what I have revealed to you. 
Now it's very interesting. I this is a very long time ago that I, I read this news. Now when I'm saying a very long time ago, I'm not saying more than five years, but it's been a very long time. I saw in news that Christians should not try to preach to other Christians or to other people that people should just live in in their belief that beliefs can be different and this and that well during the time of of these signs and wonders beliefs were different but god still taught them to come to him today we hear things like oh these religions they are just different ways of reaching to god and this and that but we are seeing god say otherwise in these verses in these chapters we are seeing god tell man that I am the only way. I, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, I am the only way. Not Buddha, not Allah, not Krishna. But the great I am, the creator of the heavens and the earth. But now we are seeing men tell us that there is no need to teach other men this truth that God has revealed to us. It's now left to you and left to me. Like they say, the ball is in your court. Who will you serve? The creator or man? Who will you obey? A word of encouragement will be coming from the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 4 today. Ecclesiastes chapter 4. And it says, two are better than one. Because they have a good reward for their labor. Soon we will be launching into the Sabbath hours. Soon the Sabbath will kick off. And I pray that you have a pleasant Sabbath. I pray that you enjoy your day. God bless you.